Welcome to Booktopia on diversity in kids' books. My name is Mark Harding. I am the brand and content manager for Booktopia, and I am joined today by Sarah McDuelling, our kids and YA category manager. Hello. And we're also joined by Joel Naum, our nonfiction category manager and resident kid haver. <laughs> <laughs> My, my only qualification for appearing here. <laughs> Hi, Mark. Uh, welcome to the show, guys, and thank you to everybody for listening. So we're having a chat today um, about diversity in kids' books because we have a wonderful campaign out at the moment around that very topic, diversity in kids' books. We have a wonderful collection of diverse kids' books uh, on offer on our website. And I thought that we would start off by just having a chat with you, Sarah, around the way that you, as a category manager, approach this campaign and the different subcategories that uh, you've chosen to highlight. Okay, so it was actually really difficult to decide how to name and how many categories we were going to have in this campaign. The decisions all actually got made last year. This is the second year that the campaign has been running. And when and we decided this year to stick with the ones we did last year. And I think we've after discussions and just with the breadth and increase of publishing in this space, by the time we hit this campaign next year, we've already identified new categories that we want to include. But in terms of the ones that we have now, um, mo- most of them were sort of just books highlighting a certain type of representation. So we have First Nations stories for kids. Um, we have diverse minds and bodies, which moving forward though could be separated. But in terms of what's available in publishing at the moment, we decided to put them together, which that just includes a lot of different books about um, showing kids with different abilities physically and also um, kids with uh, neurodiversity um, and also like adjacent to that um, kids dealing with uh, mental health problems and stuff. It all kind of goes into that one category. So it's a bit, it's it's a, a bit of a one that we sort of, we put them together all in one spot but I think I would like to separate them out in future. Um, then we move into diverse cultures which just has all books showing um, books from stories from all over the world and all different cultures and then we have our LGBTQIA plus section and then um, the most difficult category to name was kindness, inclusivity and self-esteem which so all of the books in this section, on the page, you know, the illustrations in the picture books show kids of um, all different races and, you know, uh, different abilities and different backgrounds and different gender expression. Um, the aim of these books is often kindness and, um, and how to be and how to have good self-esteem. And those two things, they're always really linked. Mm. Um, so there's just a lot of really beautiful books in this section um, that celebrate differences and and really emphasise the importance of, you know, every kid being different and uh, celebrating and accepting people for their differences. Um, so it was really hard to name that one. Uh, we were going to call it inclusivity, but we were also like, oh, but there's a lot about self-esteem in there. So we added self-esteem on. And then we were like, we can't not have kindness in the name of it. So it, it's a hodgepodge name, but... Um, the books, I think, speak for themselves, or I hope they do. <laughs> um, yeah, and what, why is it important, do you think, to have this campaign? I mean, I think... Uh, 
it, it seems so clear that it's like one of those things that's so hard to, like it's so important for every child, um, for every person, I think you can take this beyond childhood, but particularly important in childhood for people to see them reflected in stories. Stories are how we understand the world, it's how we come to terms with who we are and if you are constantly presented with stories that don't have any reflection of you in them, how's that supposed to make you feel um, in the world and how do you as a child develop if you feel like you don't qualify in these stories or that you're not included in them somehow? You feel different, you feel isolated. I think the importance of diversity is to make sure there are stories out there so that no kid has to feel that. Mm, absolutely. Right? And that's sort of what your blog post is about, isn't it, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joel. <laughs> uh, which I've only just read. <laughs> <laughs> Posted <coughs> earlier but this was, month. <laughs> but, was, but was really good. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah, I did, I did write a blog post. Um, I am, I, for those of you who might not be able to tell from the everything about my voice, um, I'm a queer person and... Um, <laughs> Um, and and I have children, uh, so uh, you know it's it's always been um, an important thing for me as a parent uh, to try and find books where the the family that that my children are a part of are reflected. Because when I was growing up, there wasn't really anything. Um, nothing. Yeah, there was nothing, and um, and you know uh, those formative years when you're kind of hearing the stories and, and learning the stories that you kind of use as the lens through which you understand the world to not see yourself in that, to your point, Sarah, is incredibly confusing mm. um, because it really makes you feel like there's something wrong with you because everybody else seems to be quote unquote normal and you aren't and you just don't really fit. And you really, uh, you know, I, I, I definitely internalized that as I grew up and I know many, many queer people did as well and I'm sure it extends to people beyond the the queer realm as well I'll talk about that because that's what I know but um mm. you know you internalize that and it takes a long time to shake it and you know it, it's a lifetime's work to feel like you belong even when you find people who accept you you still have that deeply internalized um feeling of 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 not belonging and, and being different and you know I think having kids books that reflects uh, who you are is super important to kind of just having self-acceptance from an early age. So, you know, we've we've taken care to always select books for our kids where there are, you know, um, rainbow families represented and we're very lucky to live in a time where there's an abundance of those books at the moment, which is lovely. Um, but, you know, uh, you don't know who your kids are going to grow up to be as well and you mm. don't know what they're currently going through on the inside. Uh, so I think it's important to also uh, expose them to a whole range of, of diverse texts as well, not just in terms of their own self-acceptance, but um, in terms of them understanding and accepting their peers um, who might be going through completely different things to them as well. Uh, mm. What about you, Joel? You're also a parent. Do you and also queer? And also, queer. Um, <laughs> but I think this is one of the interesting things for me is that I grew up. I, I uh, my father is an immigrant from Egypt, and I am. I appear to be white. I am white, <laughs> um, but you know my brothers are, are, are brown, and I grew up confused about that and confused about my sexuality and have ended up in a long-term relationship with a woman <laughs> with children and so to the to the outside world including to my children um we are a white oh, you fit <laughs> cis, by a straight on, on a <laughs> family <laughs> um uh, uh, and that isn't actually 
that doesn't actually fully capture what I want my kids to understand about their heritage and about and about their family and who people are on the inside. So for me, that was particularly important because I I definitely grew up because I had the freedom and privilege to sort of be white if I wanted to. It, it definitely meant that I felt that that was the correct decision to to make. Like not mm-hmm. so not that I necessarily had that decision, but it was certainly not part of my heritage that I wanted to embrace because nothing about the books I read when I was a kid um, sort of encouraged that. And same goes for my sexuality. And I think that it is really important for kids to be exposed to that, partially for that reason, that, you know, if if there's any kind of grey area there for them, um, they're going to choose what the culture tells them is normal. Yes, there's and, so much pressure at that age and to fit in. So that's why I like so that, that so many of the books aren't even specifically about an identity but are about inclusiveness and kindness and uh, uh, and are sort of like celebrating difference for its own sake because mm. I think that's a really important value to impart and that's what I've tried to do with my kids. Yeah, the f- doing it early, you know, making sure those books are there for kids when they're young in their formative years just creates the right space and the right environment for them to feel comfortable to think about who they are and not worry that it's wrong or different. Mm. And like, I wish I wish so many of these books had been around. Yeah, like. and a, a thing that I'm really focused on with my son in particular at the moment because he's just studying school and, you know, he's very boisterous and very um, – and he's taller and bigger than a lot of the other kids is that sort of toxic masculinity thing, which mm. um, which is, is – is gender expression more than it is anything else. So those books that are like, and I, I, there are quite a few of them in, in the mix in this one, that are just sort of, you know, telling boys that it's okay to not be macho. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Love, like, I love those man books. And How to Be a Real Man. Those are some <clears throat> yeah. amazing, amazing And it's books. not about being necessarily being cis or, or, or trans either. It's just about what it means to have an identity. Yes, which is why next year one of the categories I want to have in there is gender expression mm. um, because I think that it's missing at the moment from the campaign and I want to make sure it's there next year. Yeah. I think something that um, I, I'm, as, as a parent, my oldest daughter is 10 um, and my youngest is about to turn eight and I'm really um, inspired by the generation of kids that they're a part of because uh, you know we're the only um, gay family at the at the school that that they go to and the girls have not had any issues with any of the other students with that it's been the other students parents and some of the teachers who have <laughs> when wow. issues have arisen it, it's been on that front but the kids are all very very lovely kids and just very accepting of difference um, and very uh very much aware of, I guess, the power of individuality. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 it may just be you know we go we're we're fortunate to go to, to a school that that has you know a positive outlook on those things. But um, yeah, I'm I'm quite hopeful for this for this generation. I think that um, all those old prejudices, um, a lot of them are probably going to be shaken over the next. They're going to die off with the dinosaurs. <laughs> Hopefully, because it's learned behavior, right? Like you, yeah, kids my, are open-minded. They, my, my kids they go to a daycare a where there are lots of rainbow families, and mm. I don't. They don't even. Know, why would they notice? There's no reason yeah. for them to notice any difference. They just don't see it, and so they, you know, they happily talk about so and so's mums, and they just don't, they don't even 
it's not a talking point. Whereas and I am, it's a talking point for me because I'm curious to see how they react to it. But yeah. <laughs> that's not actually how they, they don't care. Yeah. But, and when they do notice it, often the reaction is just an innocent, like that's different and mm. there's nothing attached to it. It's just a, not- a noticing something that's not what they've seen before. Mm. But all of the negative connotations and stuff comes from society over time. So creating creating that space when kids are young to like have a different default setting is... Um, it also gives you, as a parent, it's a parenting technique. It gives you a vocabulary and a way to talk about things. One of the first books we read in this area was just accidentally purchased, and it's not in the campaign actually. It's, what? Uh, We're missing a book in the campaign. Well, it's because it's a very odd. It's a very me, odd book to include. <laughs> I, I only noticed as I was preparing for this that, um, but I wouldn't have necessarily expected it to be. It's American. It was. It's a. It's a gimmick book. It was made by John Oliver for his last week tonight show about the the bunny from the vice oh, president's yeah, bunny. Yeah. And it's like the bunny. What, what is it actually? Marlon Bundo. Marlon Bundo, the yeah. bunny of the United first bunny of the United States or whatever he is. Yeah. Potus. Yeah, because um, Mike Pence had written a book about his bunny. Or Mike Pence's daughter had written a book about yeah. the bunny or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And then so as a joke, they, they decided to write this book. Uh, and because Mike Pence is so homophobic, they just decided to write a book about about the bunny, but um, marrying marrying a boy bunny. And then there's this whole storyline with a, with a stink bug who's clearly... Mike Pence, who is trying to make the, tell them that boy bunnies can't marry boy bunnies. So it, it's actually addressing the thing I like about that is that it's addressing homophobia, mm. which a lot of the other books don't. They just sort of show that it's all okay mm. and, just, yeah, and yeah. just and just it's just visibility. It's not it's not preempting the idea that might be anything wrong. And so this one is like, uh, and so we have because of that book and it, it, we had it before the kids were born I think or around the time that they were really little so it was long before we were reading that kind of book to them but because it was around we read it to them and so it's been around in their vocabulary for the whole time and they talk about it all the time That's it's, awesome. it's one of those things where they'll be like oh but boy bunnies can marry boy bunnies <laughs> <laughs> and you know you're, you're, there's this line in it you're not in charge when they, they, they sort of vote out the, the stink bug <laughs> And so it's like a it's like a weird little handbook for activism for them, and uh, there are lots of books in this collection that are like that. And I think that's the kind of thing that I really what a great giving book. you a vocabulary to talk to your kids is really important. Okay, we'll be adding that to the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sarah, you actually spoke with one of the authors that's featured in the campaign, didn't you? Yes, yes. Uh, we spoke to Sam Squires about her book, uh, Princesses Wear Sneakers, which is just, it's a cute book and it kind of addresses some of the gender stereotype ideas that are out there by saying it's okay to be um, into sparkly dresses and sport, which I think is important, right? Mm, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's have a listen to your to your chat with Sam Squires. Okay, I'm delighted to to be talking today to the amazing Sam Squires. Sam, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really stoked to be here. Now, um, I'm actually holding a copy of Princesses Wear Sneakers in my hands. It's a gorgeous book. For the people listening, um, would you just be able to explain a little bit about yourself and, and about your book? Um, So I'm actually a sports journalist and uh, I I guess you can call me an advocate for women's sports. Women's sports is something that, and women in sport is something that 
I have been so passionate about my whole entire career, trying to get in mainstream media when I was working at the heart of mainstream media, trying to get women's sports stories up um, through our media outlets has just been a, a big passion of mine and something that I've, I've always done. Um, and everything, and I, I launched my own women in sport business called Sportette back in 2014 as well um, to try to get more businesses and sports organisations to really grow their women's games. Um, but everything kind of changed when I became a mum. So I became a mum to my daughter in 2017, Imogen. And I guess because I'm so passionate about sport, I really wanted to pass that passion on to Imogen. Um, and the best way to do that is through children's literature because it really, I guess, shows children the world um, that they can be, you know, kind of broadens their imagination and, and their minds. Um, so I thought, well, I'll get some key messages about sport into Imi from a really young age and buy her some children's books um, about sport and girls. And I couldn't find any. So I, I searched everywhere and I did a Google search as I was searching for books overseas. And I really couldn't find that many books that had strong themes about sport and girls. So I guess that's how I thought, oh, well, I have to, I have to start my own and that's how, and have to write my own. And that's how Princesses Wear Sneakers came about. So I, um, yeah, I, I, I wrote it in, in 2017 and I thought if, uh, and I, as my young little girl got older and I was looking at my next door neighbor, who's a little girl and she was, she's so athletic, but not into sport. And I kept thinking, why isn't Chloe into sport? How do I get her into sport? She was into princesses and pink and, and everything, I guess, um, not to use that cliche that was seen girly. So I thought, oh, well, if I can get a theme like princesses, we Chloe and my daughter are so passionate about and just love if I can get this princess and combine her with my sport world maybe I can send her these subtle messages through a princess um, and she doesn't even know that she's been hit and hit with these themes of sport so yeah that's it's basically that a princess called Princess Ellie who loves her sport and loves her sneakers uh, but in the kingdom no one thinks that princesses should really wear sneakers and play sport um, then a dragon kidnaps her parents and she has to use her sporting skills to save the day. And that's pretty much how Princesses Wear Sneakers goes. Uh, and it's a, it's a really heartwarming book. And it's, um, I, love, I love the idea that there are books like this one out there that can show, you know, the young kids that, um, that gender expression doesn't have to be any one thing. You know, you can you can like your sparkly dress and you can like cricket and that's fine. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. I think it's, well, it's I really... Think we kind of do that with girls. Like somehow they're getting messages that kind of push these gender stereotypes that they, they, they love. And I've seen it with my own daughter. She's obsessed with pink and tutus and, um, and she's obsessed with girls and, and princesses. And I think when I was growing up, you had to be one or the other. You had to either be, you know what, I hate the term girly girl, we're into princesses and things like that. Or you were, I hated this term as well. Cause I was always called it where you're into your sport, where you're a tomboy and you're one or the other. Yeah. And I think my daughter, I see the fact that, well, she, you know, she rides her scooter, she plays sports, she kicks she, everything, but she still wants to put tutus on and, um, and wear pink and frills and 
everything and bows and everything. And I thought, well, why can't you be both? You can definitely be both. And I think that's the thing with little girls um, that we can show them that they can be whatever they want to be and they can be as fluid as they want to be. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And I being think a girl shouldn't be rigidly defined, especially when you're a little kid, just figuring out who you are. And it's been so lovely as well, Sarah, because a lot of parents have been sending me photos of their little girls uh, wearing, you know, their, their football headgear with a tutu um, and carrying the ball and, or, you know, with their soccer boots and sneakers and, and wearing their like pink tutus and princess crowns. And a lot of parents, especially during book week, were sending me pictures of their little girls dressing up as Princess Ellie um, because they love their sport and they love um, their princesses as well. And writing to me saying, thank you so much for showing them that they can be both. So it was really heartwarming the response that parents have got to me, have, have, um, have given me. And I think one of the, the biggest responses I got, which really, um, really moved me, was actually from Casey Delacqua, who bought a book. And she's, of course, Australian tennis star, um, amazing woman. Her wife was an Australian uh, rugby sevens and touch football player as well. So these are two real sporting heroes in Australia. And Casey wrote to me saying, thank you so much for your book, because her daughter, um, refused to wear sneakers all the time and then she bought the book and showed her princess ellie and then suddenly you know her daughter is dressing up as as princess ellie for book week and wearing her sneakers again and i thought oh my gosh if casey delacqua and her wife cannot get their daughter to wear sneakers you know and then the book is able to convince her to wear sneakers then then yeah i think the book has done its job and i'm really proud of the oh, messages wow. that it's young girls what a wonderful story. Thank you. Uh, really um, and, I, and I did just want to ask quickly, the book is illustrated by Annabelle Cutler. Yes. And these illustrations are so gorgeous. Like yeah. they're really, really lovely illustrations. There's a dragon that features at, at one point in the story that's just um, so, like, so well done. Um, so what was it like working with Annabelle? Amazing. Amazing. She is so super talented and so super lovely to work with. And I, I'm not even joking. It was literally like she took whatever pictures were in my mind and then just immediately put them onto book. We hardly, we didn't have to do any, any new drawings or, or anything. She just got what the book was about and the messages and how to tell the messages visually. She's so super talented. She's only young. Um, both her and I got on, on really, really well. We didn't know each other before our publisher put my publisher put us together. Um, but we've since gone out for lunch and we keep in touch and I've had since had my second daughter and she's, um, she's done a beautiful artwork for my, for my nursery, for my second daughter, Elle as well. But yeah, it was so strange. We, we didn't know each other. She didn't know my story. But for some, um, for some reason, which is almost beautiful, the main character, Princess Ellie, looks like a little Imogen, looks like my first daughter. So when I showed a couple of people, you know, the first illustrations, they were like, oh, my gosh, she looks like Imi. And I'm like, she does look like Imi. But Annabelle had never seen Imi before. So she, has, she had literally taken the, the vision that I had and been able to so perfectly put it down in artworks on the pages and it does make the book it really does mix well with the messages we're trying to get across and that's that beautiful there's a lot of pink in the book and I was so anti-pink 
for my first daughter all the time. But we did pink on purpose because I thought if pink is what girls are drawn to for whatever messages they've been sending, because we've just been talking about the fact that they just love pink. If a young girl is, is drawn to the pink of the book, but then suddenly, suddenly sent these messages about sport, then, you know, she's more likely to pick it up and get these messages. Whereas if it was, uh, if we use for sport, we always use primary colours, right? So red, yellow, blue. You go know, to the websites, you look at all the sports um, logos and everything. They're always really, those really in-your-face primary coloured colours. Primary colours. But, and I because thought, the, well, young the girls aren't going to be drawn to the book. But yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm really just chiming in to agree with you because I think colour coding um, for gender is just, it's, it's crazy and we shouldn't be anti-pink. And we yeah. shouldn't be assigning pink to agenda. And there are so yeah. many beautiful books out at the moment that really address this. Like I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen the book My Shadow is Pink, but um, hearing you talk made me think of that that beautiful book. Yes. And, yeah, I think, you know, anyone who wants to like pink should like pink and it shouldn't mean anything. 100%. Um, but but I, anyone who wants to wear sneakers should wear sneakers. 100%. And I think that's a big thing about this book, um, well, first of all, the colour, I just wanted to draw the girls into the book to pick it up. But also, I, you know, I talk about girls a lot. And this is about sending strong, mes strong messages about girls and sport. But it's not necessarily just a book for girls. Um, I think it's a book for boys as well. And I've had lots of parents send me pictures of the young boys um, reading the book. And I think that's just as powerful as well because boys need to see women playing sport they need to see girls playing sport um, they need to see girls as strong as brave courageous um, and doing really physical things as well so even though the girl the book is designed to send strong themes about girls and sport it's not necessarily just for girls it's just important for boys to read these books mm -hmm. you know and think of um, Princess Ellie in, as in this really kind of idealistic way as well that's what's important. Mm -hmm. I think you've certainly achieved that. Um, so I wanted to thank you so much for coming and speaking to us today about Princesses Wear Sneakers. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and I love this campaign. This is, you know, part of the reason why I wrote the book in the first place um, is trying to, to break down some of the um, uh, gender stereotypes for girls and boys out there. But diversity is so important. And I also tried in my illustrations to make sure that you know there is a diverse range of race and cultures um, seen in the imagery of the book as well and abilities as well um, I, I think that's really really important and we made sure that I, I just like me been growing up and in a way not seeing myself as a female in sport I wanted to make sure that no matter what little girl or boy from whatever background um, or abilities they come from that when they open the pages of Princesses Wear Sneakers that they can see themselves represented in those pages as well and that's I think with your campaign yeah. is so beautiful and, and, and so fantastic is highlighting these incredible books that break down stereotypes and, and show diverse diversity um, and diverse people, uh, cultures, race, abilities. I just think it's a fantastic campaign and I love where children's books are going. I wish when I was a kid there were all these diverse books out there for me to be able to read. But I'm just, I'm grateful that now as a mom, I can yeah. read them to my little girls now. So thank you for highlighting these incredible books that you have on diversity. Well, it's a, it's a very exciting time in publishing. And I think um, what we're all celebrating here with 
uh, diversity in kids' books is the fact that every kid out there deserves to be able to pick up a book and see themselves in there and something that they can relate to reflected back on the pages. So um, uh, thank you for, you know, coming and talk to us about that yeah, and for your book, Princesses Wear Sneakers. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, before we go, uh, I just thought we'd have a little bit of a chat about what you think kind of the key titles um, are for you in, in this campaign. What, what ones are your favourites, Sarah? Oh, favourites are hard. I, I mean, one of my favourites in this campaign is um, actually a YA book, which is uh, The Boy from the Mish by Gary Lansborough, which we were lucky enough to talk to Gary earlier this year. It's his debut book. And as far as anyone has been able to tell, and again, I will say on the podcast, if you know of a previously published book that fills this criteria, let us know. Because as far as we are able to tell, Gary has written what is the first YA, First Nations, LGBTQIA plus love story. And it is wonderful. I absolutely loved it. Um, it's been selling amazingly well. So I think like the love is out there for this book. And I hope that it just inspires a whole bunch of, of other similar stories because, you know, it's shocking to realise there's a big gap like that in publishing and having it, um, you know, having people publishing into that space is so important. So uh, definitely recommend The Boy from the Mish and definitely looking forward to more of those in future. That's probably probably one of my favourites. Uh, I'm also included in the campaign is a book that isn't out yet, which I'm very excited about, which is Welcome to Consent. Um, by Yumi Steins and Dr. Melissa Kang. Uh, this one is like, anyone who's familiar with their first book, um, Welcome to Your Period, will know that the illustrations are very inclusive and also very funny. And um, this is a, a book that is very, very much about, all about <laughs> the issue of consent, which uh, I think definitely fits in into the zeitgeist our, at the moment. <laughs> well, yes, and also I, it, it fits into... Look, you could put that book into several sections of this campaign because, um, you know, consent is important for so many reasons, but it goes back to that. It ties into self-esteem because, you know, you have to teach kids uh, to speak and to, um, you know, have the, that respect for their own bodies. And it also ties in with kindness as well because... Of the opposite of Empathy. consent is not kind. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how to say this without just... It's so, such obvious stuff that actually saying the words sounds silly. Um, but it's about... It, that's yeah. why it's hard because it is about giving kids that They need language the language to talk, to talk about, about it. it. Yeah. As like um, three adult people who didn't grow up perhaps with the, the language to talk about this sort of mm. stuff, that's probably why I'm struggling to put it into words. Yeah. Because, mm. you know, it's, it's obvious stuff that we don't teach kids, that we're starting to teach kids. So I'm really... Really excited about that book. Um, available to pre-order now. <laughs> Does someone else want to talk about books? I could keep going. Um, well, I, I just wanted to, to mention a couple um, that, that, that I've bought. Um, I really love uh, Love Makes a Family by Sophie Beer. <gasps> oh, that is, book. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And it celebrates all different kinds of, of families. And, you know, I think it, it really goes to the heart of what we're talking about here, which is, you know, not just seeing potentially yourself reflected but understanding difference as well and approaching that with you know kindness and and love um and another one that i just am kind of a bit obsessed with is um queer icons from gay to z yeah. 
um, <laughs> by Patrick Boyle, uh, which is just a beautifully colorful, delightful celebration of some um, iconic queer people uh, that you know I've I've really loved um, sharing that one with, with my daughters. Awesome, I can talk about a couple. My my. my um First pick is Young Dark Emu, which yes. uh, Dark Emu is such an important book to me. I read it when I first started this job, and I associate it weirdly with Booktopia, even though it has nothing to do with Booktopia <laughs> <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> and I got the chance to talk to um, Bruce Pascoe right, very shortly after starting this job, and it was it, it, I felt horrified, to be honest, that mm. it took that I was shocked by the content of that book, and I do not want my kids to grow up to be shocked. And their, their education on um, <clears throat> First Nations issues is already better than what I had, at, certainly not even just at their age, but by the they yeah. know they know more than I do. And and I, I want to continue that, and it's a great resource for that. It's it's interesting and really informative, and, they you know, the kids actually will like it. It's for slightly older kids than mine, but still really, really good. Um, the other one is a book that I've read to my kids – a lot, which is um, My Shadow is Pink. Um, wonderful, wonderful book. Mm. And it's about, the, so it's about that, what I was talking earlier about, about sort of toxic masculinity. And, mm. and it's, not, it's not explicitly about sexuality, though that's sort of a subtext. It can just be about whatever. And my yeah. son, who, who, you know, wore dresses for the entire time he was at daycare, off and on whenever he felt like it. It was just a great way to sort of address some of the pushback he occasionally would get from random people. Yeah. Not usually from the people at the daycare, but, you know. So it was just, a, it was great. And particularly, you know, anything with a dad that is very accepting of a little boy who's different, I immediately cry. Oh. <laughs> so that book is wonderful for that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a gorgeous book. And in that same area, there's... Um, be Your Own Man by uh, Jessica Sanders, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous book. And there's this one spread where the illustrations, where the, um, they've attempted to illustrate, I guess, like uh, emotions, right? So you've got uh, like a, a boy and then above in the air, it, through, the, through the air is just this colourful explosion of like emotional noise. And it is a powerful illustration when you look at it. You're just like, oh. Mm. emotions get hard <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it's a it's a great book so I, rec I recommend that one too and you mentioned Sophie Beer Mark Sophie Beer has a new one coming up which I have only seen a few pages of it so far it's in the campaign um and it's called how to say hello which is going to address like you know difference again like all the different ways to say hello and the ways in which people are comfortable saying hello so like when is it okay to hug someone and when is it oh that's great so it's mm. it's i'm really looking forward to seeing the whole book of that one as well i'm sure it'll be up to the um very high so if you be a standard yeah <laughs> excellent well um Sarah, Joel, thank you so much for joining me today for this uh, lovely discussion about these lovely books. And um, if you want to check out uh, any of the books that we've talked about today, you can find links to them in the show notes and you can find them on booktopia.com.au. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, 
for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.